Hey folks, this is Anatoly and you're listening to the Solana Podcast. And today I have with me Packy McCormick, author of Not Boring. Hey man, good to have you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. So you're an author and you're also an investor. How did you get into crypto? <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I got into crypto back in 2013. I read uh, Fred Wilson's blog post on investing in Coinbase, bought a bunch of Bitcoin, uh, I think 38 Bitcoin. And then I went on a trip to uh, Oktoberfest and I felt bad about it. I had just quit my job. Uh, and so I was like, you know what, instead of spending money when I'm unemployed, like, let me just sell these stupid Bitcoin uh, and I will pay for the trip. So because of that, because of the pain of selling then, I kind of avoided it until uh, kind of earlier this year, later last year, uh, and really, really got back into it as I was talking to a couple of companies that I was thinking about investing in and thinking about kind of the intersection of crypto and the metaverse and how kind of an open economy just fits so much better with that vision. And since then, I've just gone deeper and deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. So you held Bitcoin because you couldn't sell it. <laughs> it was just too, too big of a pain in the ass. <laughs> I just, I felt so bad about, about <laughs> selling it and missing out. I think at the peak, it was like a $2 million plus mistake. And so I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm out of this for a little while. <laughs> That's funny. Um, what is, uh, what, do you, what do you guys invest in? Yeah, so I, I run a small fund, $10 million fund called uh, Not Boring Capital. Uh, and we really invest across stages, across geographies, uh, across verticals. Uh, for the first, I'd say, half of the fund, it was really kind of traditional investments. I'd say for the second kind of $5 million in the fund, it's been uh, pushing up against the 20% uh, non-qualifying limit. I'm actually investing in my first uh, Solana-based project this week, uh, which is yet to be announced, so can't talk about it, but something in the real estate space and something I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, but you know, doing as much as much crypto as I can in there. But I still think you know some some use cases are perfectly well suited to crypto, and some are really not. There's plenty of things kind of in Web two that I'm super excited about as well. So really trying to balance kind of investing across both. So these are by traditional businesses, you mean like software internet based ones? Exactly. Cool. I mean, I've been in crypto for like the last, like, I don't, can't remember. It feels like a decade and I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine what that world is like. So what are people building? <laughs> it's a good, <laughs> it's a good question. So today I talked to a company, for example, that is making it a lot easier to, for, for a restaurant to order the food that they need. So like right now, if you're a restaurant and you're ordering food, you're getting a bunch of PDFs from suppliers every week that aren't even searchable. And then you're going through the 6,000 items on there and picking something. So there are still a bunch of these huge kind of unsexy categories that are completely, you know, ripe. There's some security stuff that, uh, that kind of bridges into crypto, but, um, you know, there's, there's one again, kind of stealth right now, but is also dealing with some Solana projects, uh, on the security side that I'm really, really excited in, but they're also securing, uh, Web2 projects. There's you know some fintech stuff. I wrote about a company called Unit yesterday. There's definitely a little bit of uh, kind of mental gymnastics that I have to do to be super bullish on fintech and super bullish on crypto. But I really think you know adoption cycles are going to be super long, and, and there's some really huge opportunities on that side too. I think everybody's trying to make the existing system that doesn't work, uh, make it work better for people. And so I'm all for things on you know, either the Web2 side or in crypto that make finance better for people. The mental gymnastics are, I'm curious about. <laughs> um, 
I always thought that crypto is is just part of this general story of software eating the world. Is is that kind of your take on it too? Totally. So I mean, you know, I, I wrote about Solana and I wrote this in the piece, but that I'm a kind of maximalist minimalist, and that's cross chain. But that's also I don't think crypto is going to eat everything yet, or maybe ever. Just like you know, on the internet, Web 2.0 is really about you know the dynamic interfaces where you could interact with each other. While there are companies like Facebook and Twitter and you know all of this kind of social media companies that were more interactive, there are a ton of huge companies built during kind of the Web 2 era that weren't social media, that weren't real-time interactive at all. And I think the same thing will play out. I think you need to pick the best stack for whatever you're building at the time. Um, and so I think you know we'll see a world where a lot of stuff moves to Web 3 and hopefully even things that don't incorporate crypto become a little bit more liquid, a little bit more decentralized and a little bit better for people. But I don't think that crypto is you know, the answer to every problem that the world has. So when you when you look at a company that is building out this like, you know, the basic let's convert PDFs to a, a searchable database. Yeah. <laughs> if that that feels like something that should have happened 10 years ago, right? Like in your mind like or at least <laughs> Totally. Well, I mean, I think there've been attempts in that space actually and and uh some of them haven't worked. There've been different approaches. People have tried to do marketplaces and different things like that. I think what changed in that particular case is that over the past year, one, restaurants are uh, super cognizant of cutting costs and, and getting profitability to the best possible spot. And so they're more willing to try new things. These people are taking an interesting approach where they're not actually changing the interface that the restaurants interact with at all. They're just making everything behind it more powerful. So things have been tried, um, but you know, there's people are trying new approaches every day. I mean, I'd say 80% because that is the literal max uh that I'm allowed to do is 20% crypto out of my fund. Uh, so 80% of my investments are, are non-crypto and there's a bunch of stuff that's growing fast and is really exciting. I think the other interesting thing is that there are a bunch of companies that aren't going kind of full decentralized, but are incorporating maybe a DAO in one aspect where they have members who might be renting something and want to vote on what that thing is coming up or will incorporate NFTs in a particular part of the business where it makes sense. So I think we'll see that blur a little bit more, but even within companies, they'll be doing some Web2 stuff and some Web3 stuff. So you, you still see like, I, I guess, you know, in a way you're bullish on non-crypto and the rest of the world <laughs> as an investor. Yeah. My worldview is bullish tech and innovation. Uh, and, you know, I think like, if you're talking on the, you know, I have a medical device company in the portfolio and uh, a machine learning company that that helps make sense of medical documents and all of that kind of stuff, I don't see a need yet for crypto. Uh, and maybe there's, you know, better decentralized kind of storage of that information in the future. So it's not a centralized entity. And so over time, I think more and more and more of it will potentially become decentralized as, as the tools catch up. But for right now, that's just stuff that needs to needs to improve. There's a company called Next Health that that I invested in that is that has this really complex kind of long-term plan to first sell SaaS into doctor's offices, use that to connect to EHRs, use that to build out APIs, use that to build out a platform to ultimately try to make it easier for people to just hack on medical products because right now it's such a pain in the ass to, to do anything in the medical space. Like I am super bullish on that kind of innovation because my I have no idea where my, you know, if you asked me what doctor I went to two years ago, I'd have no idea. If you asked me what my stats were, I'd have no idea. So anybody fixing any of those kinds of things, I'm super bullish on. Man, I mean, the internet is basically 30 years old, right, at this point. And it's wild to think that we're still connecting just data Totally. <laughs> Data to formats. It's, it's why I can be bullish on 
all of this, right? Like the internet is still early in terms of penetration. And then crypto is a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of that. So there's just a lot of room for all of this to run. It feels then like everything is happening at the same time. We're still onboarding the world to the internet and we're now part of the internet is kind of being onboarded to crypto. Is that something that you first saw? Like, what what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, most of the world, I think we're over 50% now, right? Is, is internet connected. I think it's just more and more things that were not internet connected are, are being tackled. I think a lot of the, you know, big obvious opportunities get taken and then people realize like, oh, shoot, I, I think I've seen in the past week, a couple of uh, companies that are making it, you know, easier for truckers to pay for gas and track those expenses. Like there's just all these kind of big things that touch the physical world where primitives kind of needed to be built first. You needed kind of banking as a service type things to make it really easy for companies to issue cards to build for specific use cases. So I think it's all just a matter of what primitives have been built and then what you can do on top of that. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons I'm so excited about crypto is because you and other folks in the space are building such interesting things for other people to build on top of. Since you kind of, you, you have, I think, a more maybe practical or realistic view since you're dealing with non-crypto projects that are trying to get revenue, right? Like that that's generally the pitch to an investor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> over a long enough time horizon, some of them need to get revenue. <laughs> what do you see in crypto itself as promising to use crypto in a way that actually increases revenue for that business? Like what, what are... What are what are those things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't know. One of the one of the fun things about exploring both sides is that I really try when I look at any crypto project to understand kind of like what business physics laws it's enhancing. Like businesses are businesses because people buy things the same way all over the place, or people like to make money. Uh, kind of, you know, people are the same, and I think all of this comes down to people. Obviously, Solana comes down to how many developers build on top of it and how many people use that. And so obviously, I think one of the big important things is the ability to build network effects by giving people ownership. And I think the idea of using ownership in crypto to even you know have negative customer acquisition costs, to be able to essentially make the price of something negative, to be able to get adoption, to use crypto tools for you know retention uh, and, and network effects, I think is is one of the big things that excites me. I think it's also just moving way, way, way faster because as soon as, I mean, like look at Ethereum and Solana, right? Like Ethereum, strong network effects, people building on top of it. And then Solana comes in and kind of looks like the same chart, but faster. And so you can get these net network effects, but then somebody else will come in with network effects that are even faster. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how those types of things play out. By negative, <laughs> negative acquisition costs is a, is a really interesting topic. Um, because that's basically yield farming, right? Like DeFi, like the foundation of DeFi, how I get users is a lot of these projects give away their coin. Um, do you think those patterns is something that you're going to start seeing in traditional businesses? Like they, you know, AMC, popcorn, if you buy AMC stock, is, is some form of liquidity mining, right? <laughs> I think the, the challenging part, right, is that people want, either money pretty immediately or they want ownership in something. And it's really hard for 
Web2 companies to give away ownership. Like there's a ton of paperwork involved. There are platforms that are trying to make that a little bit easier, but it's still really hard for them to give away ownership the way that if you're a yield farmer, you can give away your, if you're a DeFi protocol, you can give away your token uh, to attract users in, in the beginning. So maybe there will be some things that, that Web2 companies steal and bring over from crypto. But I, I do think that's one of the uniquely beautiful things about it is that it's this I mean, we'll see. It's it's still so early, right? But that it's this beautiful thing where because you're early, you're able to earn more. Uh, and then because you're there, you actually support the network and, and make the network more secure and all that. So there's actual justification for it. But it's just a kind of split, a, a shift in who gets the ownership of things, which I think is is kind of beautiful. You think that like the Web2 properties like my, are like Facebook, Twitter that those are a risk for being disintermediated by crypto? Yes. And a long enough time horizon, absolutely. Um, I don't know what it looks like. And I think the early attempts to do it have been a bit skeuomorphic. Uh, and and that's kind of one of the things that, that interests me here is that like, you know, BitClout was, I guess, kind of interesting, but it was Twitter with coins. And I don't think that the next social network will look like Twitter with coins. I think it will look like something that you know is maybe wallet first or maybe kind of in a 3D world or something that looks different, but then kind of achieves a very similar end. Uh, and so I think, yes, 100% they're at risk, but I don't think that they're at risk from something that looks like a clone, but adds a token. Man, I, I love that word schemorphic because <laughs> that's kind of how I, I started thinking about it as I'm talking to a bunch of projects that are trying to shove crypto into what is a Web2 thing, like a Web2 product. Do you as an investor see that as like um, a red flag or like, okay, maybe this might work and you should try it, but clearly you're going to have to iterate away from it? I think it comes down to what you're trying to do. I, I talked to an investor who was way smarter than I am about this the other day, and she was like, you know what, it's actually for me, because I invested, you know, the Series A and beyond, if one of my portfolio companies came to me and said that they're going to incorporate crypto at this point, that would be a red flag because that means they don't have product market fit and they're trying to figure out how to get product market fit by doing something else shiny. There are other projects, like there was uh, something that I was talking to that was totally web two based, but that asked people for feedback. They were having challenges with retention. They were asking users to submit information. They were thinking about how to reward them. And for something like that, particularly when it's so early, like I do think that adding crypto into the project makes a ton of sense. If you're trying to incentivize con contribution and improve retention, crypto is an amazing tool for that, for the right type of community. So I really think it depends on what type of product it is. And you know, some things I think will look, skeuomorphic might work in some cases where you're ripping out you know, an internal kind of reward point and replacing it with, with crypto. I think that can make sense. But when you're trying to just shove money into something to see if you can attract more users. That, that's when I feel like there's a bit of a problem. So like Reddit coins, do you think that's going to work? I don't know. I mean, they've, they're at least early and I feel like they're a, such an interesting community of people. And, and there's, you know, the idea of karma's kind of existed in Reddit for a while. So maybe making that a little bit more fungible and exchangeable is interesting. I mean, there's a bunch of behavioral economics on the idea that if you just pay people for stuff, you actually fuck up incentives in a bunch of different ways that are are hard to predict. So it could be tough. Like when you actually assign a dollar value to something, you make people think about it in terms of the dollar value. And they're like, wait, I just spent 
a day moderating the subreddit for a dollar. Like, are you kidding me? So I think you need to get that part <laughs> yeah. right, right? Like where you can give them a million karma points and it doesn't matter, but you can, then it becomes a dollar, then it then there's an issue. So I think people need to be wary of that. But certainly where there are internal kind of scoreboards, giving people a way to actually monetize that, I think is interesting. Have you, have you looked into play to earn stuff? Yeah. Like, like, okay. I wrote a piece on on Axie. I think it's so fascinating. I'm terrified of a world where everything we do is like you got to do this to get your 20 extra cents, like or your dollar. Right? Like it just sounds like a nightmare. I know. I mean, I am of the mind that dystopia is probably overstated because people have to opt in kind of at every every gate. And so, you know, I've had conversations with people where they're like, "Isn't it wild that we'd be spending time in the metaverse. Like, isn't that dystopian? And then you think about how we spend a lot of our time right now. We're like in a two-dimensional screen. Like, wouldn't it be kind of more fun if there was an immersive environment that we were interacting with here? And would we just continue to choose to do the 2D version until the 3D version got realistic and fun enough that we made the shift? And so there's going to be those gates at all times where people can opt in or not. You know, a lot of the people playing Axie right now are in the Philippines, were unemployed, uh, you know, thanks in large part due to COVID. And so their options were don't do this and figure out some other way to make money or start playing this game that you might be playing anyway and actually make money while doing it. So that's an incredible option that people have. But you also don't see a ton of people in the West flocking to to Axie to make a couple of bucks because it the trade-off doesn't make sense for them. And so I think the trade-offs have to make sense for people, but everybody has agency to some extent and will opt into the things that make sense for them. I, you know, when I play like Ultima Online, I bought like digital items in that game on eBay with a cashier's check. So I get this idea that you can get really into a game. <laughs> totally. And then, you know, you stop playing Ultima Online and that money is just kind of wasted, right? And so the idea that you could easily kind of transfer that item to the next generation of person that wants to go all in on the game is, is kind of nice. It means that you're accumulating something while you play. And I think, you know, over time, those experiences will fade more and more into the background and, and it will feel less like play to earn and it'll probably just be play and earn. But there's going to be a transition period where you kind of have to just be bold about it. And like the, the play to earn piece has to be kind of front and center. But I don't know. We can go to like deep down the philosophical uh, rabbit hole on on all of this. But, you know, there is a point at which like at some point in the future, I don't think this is debatable, but at some point in the future, we're not going to have to actually work to eat, to uh, to shelter ourselves, to have clothes, all of that. And so what do you do that provides kind of meaning, right? Like humans are programmed. I, I don't think we're going to evolve into a world where we feel comfortable not having to work for anything. And so people will find new ways to to make meaning. We're, we're going to be NPCs in each other's uh, games. Seriously. <laughs> How much um, do you pay attention to the like regulatory side of it? Like, do, do you think like World of Warcraft is going to have to file like W2s? <laughs> Man, that part, that part is, I, I, I've said this before, I, I do not envy the IRS or the SEC trying to keep up. Like, I, I do this all day, every day. I'm fascinated by it and I can't keep up with everything. I, I, there's going to obviously need to be a total kind of paradigm shift in the way that this thing, is, this stuff is, is tracked and managed. Like 
even taxes. Like I am going to fi- figure out at the end of the year, whatever the best tax software that I should use to make sense of everything that I've done all across Web3 this year. But if I didn't, the chances that somebody sitting in the IRS for like my small potatoes amount of money is actually going to be able to like go and figure out what I did is minuscule. So I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but there needs to be a common sense way that doesn't end up in just this like constant clash. Yeah, all my degenerate trades. <laughs> Seriously, like, I mean, the amount of people, there was a, a thread that went viral on Twitter a couple weeks ago that was someone being like, hey, by the way, did you know essentially that when you buy an NFT, you're also selling your coins at, at a gain like, and you're going to have to pay taxes on that? There's going to be a lot of people who get hit pretty yeah. hard at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm curious how that that's going to play out. That's wild. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I mean, like one of the investments should be like here's stack software for all your crypto shit. Like that seems obvious one. Yeah, there are a few people, a few people working on that. I mean, I, the other one that I really want to see, I've mentioned this twenty percent limit. So if you're not an RIA, if you're not a registered investment advisor, and you manage over X dollars, you can only buy twenty percent non qualifying cryptos included in that. I really want to see someone build RIA in a box. And RIA, RIA means that you need a chief compliance officer and you need all this stuff. And so somebody who makes that easier to do and easier to set up crypto funds, I think is going to make a killing as well. I mean, that that seems like something that a smart contract should be doing, right? If you're investing purely, most of that compliance is just transparency, right? It's like, am I doing the thing that I said I was going to do? Totally. But some of it is, is there a person here looking over what I'm doing, like some, the rules are written for a world in which it makes sense for a person to look over something instead of computers talking to each other. So there's also, there's going to be a transition period there, but over time, yes, it makes a lot more sense as a smart contract and uh, I'm interested to see. Is there, are you familiar with syndicate protocol? I'm not. So syndicate protocol uh, is I think mostly on Ethereum at this point, but it makes it easy to set up investment clubs, SPVs, a bunch of other things. And so brings a lot of kind of the investing, group investing activities on chain. Is there anything similar on the on the Solana side? I don't know yet. Like I, I've, the the network exploded in terms of people building on it to the point that I can't track. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a milestone. Yeah, yeah that's a milestone. I, it's just like, so now I'm like, okay, go back to, back into the weeds, back into like optimizations. <laughs> how do you, yeah, how do you balance, I, sorry to turn the mic on you, but very curious. How do you balance your, your time right now? Uh, in a p- poorly, I would say, <laughs> like, I think, the, <laughs> I think, um, there was like a, a, an, an effort to get the word out to as many developers out there that this is how you build stuff. And these are the reference implementations. And now that that's kind of moving on its own. I almost feel like me putting energy there is going to have such a small amount of like gain. So I think of it in like value against replacement kind of terms. Like if <laughs> just very dumb engineer perspective, maybe that's a pretty good one. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, if you can view yourself from kind of a remove like that and be like, look, I mean, that that's the goal of running a company or an organization or a protocol is how can I replace myself in as many different spots as, as possible. But are you like? Are you in the discords? Are you like getting getting degen on some of these projects and stuff too? I used to be more discord, like just telling devs, "This is where the docs are. This is how you unblock that like compiler error or whatever." Like I was in there, and now there's enough people doing that. I'm like, okay, I'm useless here. 
So, <laughs> so uh, in the early days of Metaplex, helping out like people set up their Heroku servers or whatever, right? Like I spent like a little bit of time doing that, but then all of a sudden our engineers kind of took off with it. I'm curious how you think about DAOs. Like, are these truly like amorphous blobs where nobody <laughs> knows anyone else and there's some voting mechanism that you trust? Or as normal people like actually that do this stuff, it feels to me that there are like humans that all know each other and they're like kind of coordinating with software. Yeah. There's been kind of a meme going around. I feel like this, this week again on, on Twitter where people have been talking about like, Oh, it's impossible to get fired by a DAO. Like why not just get hired by a DAO and then don't do anything. Cause <laughs> who's going to fire you? I love the idea. And I love the fact that crypto makes it possible to organize and incentivize huge groups of people across the world and get them to work in the same direction. I also think there's going to be a ton of challenges. Like people are, very used for the past at least you know a hundred couple hundred years since the dawn of the corporation, people are very used to working in hierarchical hierarchical structures where there's somebody making a decision, and so I think there will be kind of a balance that gets struck in a lot of cases. Like delegation, I think will get more and more and more popular, and and ideally there are things you know there's some projects being worked on that I'm excited about where people's kind of on-chain contribution and activity and resume is almost tracked. And maybe you give more power to the people who've contributed the most and proven expertise in a certain area and all of that. So I think a lot of things need to be worked out there. I think that we're in the stage now, frankly, where like a lot of DAOs will not do as well as a centralized thing would have done, but then some DAOs will just do this crazy emergent stuff that never would have been possible in a normal kind of structure that was a little bit more hierarchical. So I think we're in like the let a thousand flowers bloom phase of DAOs right now where emergence will produce some really interesting stuff and then emergence will also produce some total failures and we'll see kind of where it all shakes out. <laughs> the politics in DAOs, I feel like are... Uh, like corporations of politics, right? There's definitely like politics in, in large corps. And I feel like small DAOs of politics. And that's not typically not true of a startup. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Um, although it can happen fast at a startup. But, you know, the, the interesting thing that happens at a startup is if the CEO allows it to be political, it can get political really quickly. And so it's interesting in a DAO structure when you don't have a quote unquote CEO that either the community ethos will be away from politics and you'll get kind of shunned and banned or whatever for, for politicking, or there's no one to say, don't do that. Uh, and in which case it can get out of hand really quickly. So there, you know, if you have a bad CEO, it's probably better to be a DAO. And if you have a really good <laughs> CEO, there are advantages to, to having, you know, somebody making the decisions. I'm also fascinated to see, and I don't know if you've seen anything on this side yet, but can a DAO build products that are as good as, you know, something with a little bit more centralized control, like products are traditionally made by a visionary and then a team who has a clear roadmap and all of those types of things. And, and is it possible to do that in a more decentralized way? I mean, even, you know, Solana itself, one of the things that attracts me about the project, and I, again, not a decentralization maxi by any stretch of the imagination, is that you were involved, right? And like when there were code errors, you were getting in there and you're telling people how to fix them and, <laughs> and all of that. And I've talked to a bunch of people since I read that piece who are building things on Solana who cite that as one of the reasons that they like building on Solana is that the team is there to kind of help when there are errors and, and help direct them to, towards best practices. So I don't know. I think something like that model is probably 
going to succeed. I can only get blame myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, yeah. Um, Balaji like had this quote that I've, I've I've used it a bunch of times um, that like decentralization is not the absence of leadership, it's the abundance of leadership. And I kind of love it. I also feel like that because of Bitcoin and it's like history, people started assuming that disorganization also meant these, like that it was required for decentralization, which I think is bullshit too. Yeah. <laughs> How do you view kind of DAO versus social token, or I guess more just kind of governance versus upside sharing? I, I think like tokens are social networks almost first and then any, every, anything else later. Um, because like any, any community, like it's all contracts, like all, all this open source software is reusable. Like I can take Uniswap, fork it, and then stick some random token on it. It's as good as Uniswap. You cannot tell me that it's worse in any way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it, it's the same thing, right? So someone should do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then that community takes it in a different product direction, right? Um, for whatever reason. I think that like really fast fail is the probably the most important part of decentralization. Anybody can fork you and then just take it in a different direction and form a community around it. I agree. Which which project was it that Justin Sun tried to take over and then everybody just stopped using it? Steam. Yeah, yeah. Steam. <laughs> yeah. And that is, I think, part of um, the beauty of the space, right? Is you can't like, you can only be a benevolent dictator. As soon as yeah. you lose the benevolent part, like they're like, well, so everything's open. F off. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Um, did, did did you follow the sushi saga? I didn't follow it in real time. I, I went back and looked at it kind of after the fact, but would not consider myself a sushi expert. Do you think that we're going to see like these communities stick around for the long haul, like Uniswap, etc.? Like, is that? I think that is the the billion dollar trillion dollar, whatever number you want to put on it, question that, I mean, I was kind of alluding to before with these network effects being replaced by things that pick up network effects even faster and faster. I think that's the blessing and the curse. I, I was talking about, this was somebody the other day where like Facebook, you could remove every single person working on Facebook except for the person who made sure that the servers were up and people would keep using it for a long, long time. If the people kind of disappeared from SushiSwap or Uniswap or wherever, it just kind of fades away and they move on to the next thing and, and that takes off. So I think virality in crypto has been proven. Like you can get viral really, really quick. Defensibility over a very long time horizon, I think is still TBD. Where does that defensibility come from? In in Facebook, in your mind? Like it in Facebook, I mean Facebook's a clear kind of network effects one where I guess if everybody decided to stop if, if the people on the network decided to stop using it, it would it would go away. But there's not a clear place that you would all go when you have maybe there's switching costs too because you have your whole network mapped and they won't actually let it be portable. Like to your point, you can fork anything. You know, you should be able to fork the relationship graph and all of that over time as people build new mechanics to make that happen. And when you can just bring your whole kind of relationship graph with you across Web3, then maybe you just all go to the next place or maybe there's not even kind of a place, right? And it is just that your wallet at some point keeps track of all the connections that you have. And so maybe the, the wallet is the kind of central point of uh, 
you know, where, where a lot of the value accrues and, and the thing that makes everything portable. But I don't, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. What do you think? I feel like humans are, um, you know, when I first saw Facebook, I thought, this is like a shitty news group. I can run my own mail server and, and spam my friends. Yep. <laughs> and then you realize that like normal people don't want to run their own mail servers <laughs> or news groups. Yeah. <laughs> and that like you centralize around convenience. Um, where do things centralize around convenience and cryptos for me been really tough to pin down? Like NFTs especially are like a really good example of people jumping from one set to another, but kind of still maintaining that both, right? Like they're, they're able to be in multiple places at the same time. I, I can be a DGN ape and like a monkey MBS member at the same time. <laughs> where do you think that that ends up? Like where do you think people end up centralizing or do they not? I'm not sure. This is like, again, a million, like a trillion dollar question. I, I feel like if we get to, you know, three, 400 million people of self-custody with wallets that are doing stuff, we'll start seeing those patterns of like, okay, this is like, this is like the Facebook. <laughs> it's the social graph or the, I don't know, the super connected node or something. <laughs> yeah. I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. I wrote a, I wrote a piece called the interface phase and it was like a little bit like of a high kid post where I was like, ah, what are the, the interfaces going to be? But just the fact that, you know, like, the the first internet needed Netscape and needed a graphical interface. Web two needed you know things like Dig and Facebook that were interactive for like the that kind of capability. The the read write interface to to really be there. And I don't think Web three's gotten there yet. I do think that either a wallet based thing, and I don't know what that looks like, and I'm not smart enough to figure out what that looks like, or a kind of metaverse. And I think it's such an interesting kind of mistake of history or just a coincidence of history that the tech for the metaverse and web three are kind of like peaking at the same time, but a world in which, you know, like one of the things I think crypto does well is give physical ish characteristics to digital things. And so I think a, a interface that makes that clear will have a lot of value and just making a lot of the stuff that feels a little more ethereal, feel more kind of real and tangible. And like, actually, there will be physical places that people meet up and all of that. So I think what what's interesting about crypto is that it's more like Ultima Online. Like when I was playing that game, I got a mental model of the map and the ownership of those items because it was persistent. Like I would go yep. to the thing and I would change something and then come back and it was still there. And your brain, I think, just rapidly like just plugs it into the rest of the stuff that, you, <laughs> that it interacts with. Like if you get a lot of humans all doing this together. Um, I think they'll kind of start forgetting that it's not, that it's nothing more than a bunch of computers. Totally. I mean, it's interesting. Like even, I forget the name of the book, but there's a book about the the memory competitions and, you know, the, the world memory championships. And the way that they memorize things is by putting different objects throughout a house and then walking through that house. So we are, I think, a lot better at memorizing things and grokking things spatially than we are. And, you know, maybe this is just me talking as a non-technical person, but like just picturing kind of computer networks without something, you know, some physical reference point. I don't have as good of a mental model of like space on crypto Twitter or like social networks, you know, it's not a, it's not a map to me, like in my mind, yeah. but with like something like experiments, like DeFi land and stuff, I think that actually might bridge that because of this ownership thing. 
and I, I honestly think it's the fact that I can modify stuff and come back and see it like and feel that I'm doing it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, people like building and showing progress and and all of that. How do you uh, this is a I'm going to turn the mic again. How do you view Solana at this point in terms of kind of DeFi versus the cultural side of things or like the metaverse side we, of things and I, I we don't like I think to us um DeFi was always like I thought was an important part because you look at like any kind of markets Nasdaq those are the obvious ones. Oh yeah, that's probably going to be on some kind of blockchain. But um, advertisement, right, is like Google shows you a page. They take your data, sell it on an ad exchange, and that's a market that's centralized right now. How do you disintermediate it? Well, you can do that with cryptography, right, and uh, and and like a as you know, replicated censorship resistant database. That's it. <laughs> um, like you can you can break those those things down into marketplaces and remove the middlemen. Um, and that, that I think is kind of how we think about it um, is like, where, where does that make sense? And culture NFTs are feel like that non skeuomorphic social networks. Like it's not somebody that's stuck Twitter with, a, with coins. Um, they, these are like organically sprung up, right? <laughs> um, Totally. Like they're like, you know, lodges in the whatever, 1700s, like I'm part of this like Masonic lodge or this club or whatever, right? <laughs> like uh, now I'm, a, you know, DJ Nave or whatever. Um, totally. And right now, I guess that, you know, often manifests itself in Discord where people yeah. are kind of hanging out. Do you think, I've had this conversation with people before in this debate, do you think there needs to be a decentralized discord where this lives or like where do you think all of this ends up living i honestly don't i don't think so like this is uh i thought like a year ago i thought somebody needs to build a decentralized twitter decentralized instant messaging it all needs to be like the working mechanics of it being decentralized or on chain don't change the social impact of it you're still like talking to people what does it matter where you talk to them right (laughs) like who cares totally (laughs) um it's the it's like i think stuff where you can start making like connected modifications of the same state that like mental model of like, Hey, we're all doing this thing over here that becomes a place. And that's where people actually do things, but who cares where they talk about it. Yeah. And I don't think you can find a more minimally extractive corporation than discord. Yeah. They make less, less dollars per user than anybody. Yeah. They're, they're pretty awesome. Um, also like, yeah, the, the high, like, you know, the high fidelity audio and, and stuff like that, I think is, is pretty cool. Um, I think that, you know, legit gamers, <laughs> they build it for yeah. gamers. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. interesting. And I'm probably going to write about discord at, at some point here too, but that I've written something called the great online game before, which is essentially we're all just playing this big video game across the internet. And so it's really funny that discord, which was built for gamers is where all of this activity is kind of, it, it just, like if you're playing a big video game, then the chat app designed for video games makes sense as the place yeah. that, that people kind of gather. Yeah, crypto and the internet is, at least the internet part of crypto is very much a big video game. <laughs> exactly. Are you investing mostly in the US, US companies or all over the place? I'm investing mostly in the US, but have done a few in India, I've done Sweden, I've done Canada, um, very open to to doing 
anywhere around the world. Do you feel like there's been a shift towards kind of everything becoming Silicon Valley that it doesn't really matter anymore at this point? The internet is Silicon Valley or, you know, something, a more kind of amorphous idea is, is Silicon Valley at this point. But, you know, I'm, I'm in New York, I'm probably 30 minutes away. I'm in Park Slope and the crypto hub has become kind of Williamsburg. And I talk to all those people all the time and I never take the 30 minute trip over to Williamsburg because I have Twitter and I have Discord and I'm pretty much right there with them. Um, so I, I don't think physical place matters nearly as much. Gathering in physical places is awesome. I think like the idea of you know conferences and quarterly team meetups and all of that kind of stuff is absolutely going to ex- explode. There's some a really fun thing about only knowing somebody on the internet and then meeting them in yeah. person and feeling like you've known each other for a long time. But <laughs> I don't think the physical place where you all live all the time matters that much. Yeah, and uh, I think oh, what's weird is like I have a sneaking suspicion that like the remote work world. Like everybody's working remote is actually going to mean more people travel and get together. And <laughs> and it's not just going to be like FaceTime and waiting around the office and sitting your, like when you're together, you're yeah. together. And then when you're working, you're heads down working. And I, I, I kind of like that. Do you think people are more efficient that way? Or is that like the natural state? It depends how many how many discords. Yeah, in, frankly, like you know, I was before this call, I was supposed to be writing, and I've I've gotten obsessed with the Wanderers NFT project, so I just bought another Wanderer, and then was trying to figure out how to display it in my cyber gallery, and so I think like there's not somebody looking over my shoulder, so you know, it, it, in that sense, like maybe it, it allows you to get a little bit more distracted, but I also think you know a lot of things kind of coming together at the same time. More and more people are responsible for themselves. And so if I don't work now, then I'm working all weekend and I have to get the same stuff done anyway. And so I do think that's kind of the, hopefully the natural state of things is that people are allowed to get their shit done when they want to. Are NFTs like what you're looking at mostly in crypto? Like, is that the most exciting part? Um, NFTs are, I think, very exciting to me. Like I, I, my first internship was on an energy trading desk. I'd like should want to get into DeFi and I just, I feel like I'm going to get wrecked unless I can spend all of my time getting into DeFi. So I've largely kind of steered clear. I do think that NFTs are super interesting for the reasons that you suggested. I mean, I think that, you know, they are a little bit like a social network. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how these things evolve and the worlds that get built around them. Um, and they're just kind of, they're the most tangible crypto thing out there, right? Like you have an item. I like these wanderers because there's audio and they're like these eight second clips. And so like the richer that you can make them, I think the the better. And over time, more and more and more things will just be uh, ownable digitally. And I, I think that's very cool. I love the trend of like 2D art first, kind of like really low res because it's like a forcing function on creativity. Right, it's actually hard to make something look good than that, that low, totally. low fidelity. So um, I'm a fan of like watching the space kind of self, almost like evolve. Right, like it's definitely going to get better. Right, you're going to have like full scale renders of 3D models and high production stuff in like a few years. But it's exciting to see what it is now. Right. Totally. I, I have a another portfolio company called Arcole that's doing essentially it's trying to replace uh like the, the design software that that companies use. So Autodesk has Revit to, to do 3D modeling. They're doing kind of the Figma version of that. But then could you just take this 
physical building that somebody's designed for the real world, turn it into an NFT and let somebody bring it into a, the digital world. Like I would love to own, you know, the Chrysler building and then bring it into my, into my world. Scamorphism. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, there is an interesting, cause I, I thought about that too, when I was trying to write about the interfaces, I was like, why are we even thinking about buildings and worlds at all? Like why, like if there, if you don't have to follow the rules of physics, then why do you, but I do think through our conversation earlier about maps, like, reference points are also important. So you need to kind of one step at a time, go away from things that people are familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. So this, this was a really awesome conversation. Um, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and um, like really getting into it. hundred <laughs> percent. This was fun. Thank you. 